Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Let's try that again. Happy Thanksgiving. Much better. I was doing some research. Actually, I was just reading some stuff. And did you know Butterball has a helpline for those of us that aren't quite proficient at cooking turkeys? And 91% of us are going to have turkey for Thanksgiving. Isn't that exciting? We're going to have Thanksgiving tonight at 6 here at the church. But 91%, that's a lot of people that are going to eat turkey. There was a woman in her 70s that never prepared Thanksgiving dinner before, so she called the helpline. She said her mother thought it was about time that she cooked her own Thanksgiving. <laughs> another, another gentleman was very proud of himself. He called the hotline and said, you know, I beat that turkey into a pulp so it would fit into my pan. Another gentleman called and said he was proud of himself as well, a little pride, said he'd cut his turkey with a chainsaw in half, and he was concerned about the oil in the chainsaw, whether it would impact the flavor of the turkey. (laughs) All of us need a little help at times, don't we, in celebrating. Little boy was super excited. He was about five years old, and he was in a season of his life where he was losing some teeth. He lost his first tooth. He put it under the pillow. Tooth fairy came, left him a quarter. A few weeks later, lost another tooth, put it under the pillow, got a quarter. He decided he'd had enough of that. He, he wrote the tooth fairy a letter. said, dear tooth fairy, I'm very pleased that you are taking care of me, but I, I think that I should get a dollar for my teeth from now on because I need a little bit more money. And if the truth were to be told, we would probably say, how much more do we need to be, to, to have to be content? And maybe like Scotty Pippen was only making $15 million a year. He looked over at the owner of the basketball team, the basketball team's owner, and he was worth about a billion, and he wondered whether or not what it would be like to have a billion dollars. So he's dissatisfied with his 15 million because he wanted a little bit more. Isn't that the story of our lives? We have that inside of it, that discontent, that desire for more. And how do we contain that? Well, I think we need to look to the Bible. We say we believe the Bible. We live by the Bible as a Bible-loving, living Christian person should. So if you turn to Philippians chapter 4, we're going to see what the Apostle Paul has to say. In verse 11, he says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, if you know anything about the epistle or the letter to the Philippians, Paul was probably writing from a a Roman cell. And, And as I did research on this message, I realized or I found out that probably it was a cell down in the ground. It was... You were let down into the cell. It wasn't, you didn't walk in a door to the cell, but you were let down into a little hole, into this dark, 
damp place. And this is probably where Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians. And he's saying to us, I've found, I've learned in whatever situation to be content. And if you look up this word and what it meant at the time, contentment means to be contained, to be happy with what one has. And I think that if we were in Paul's situation, in his circumstances, we might not be very content. And so we're looking at someone who's writing from a very desperate situation and telling us to be content. And when, when something like that happens, I truly believe that Scripture is teaching us that contentment is possible. Even through this holiday season, contentment is possible. And financial contentment is a decision about how to address our fears. I don't know if you've ever thought about that very much, but, but probably a lot of times we have a fear inside of us that there will not be enough. That, that we're afraid and there's some anxiety involved and maybe we've spent some nights concerned about not having enough. And as we grow older, a lot of times we wonder if we're on a fixed income whether or not we'll have enough. But Paul is telling us that we can choose to be content because he had learned, Paul had learned, the containment of God in every dimension of his life. Now, if you're joining us online this morning, and I'm speaking to you in your pajamas and with your coffee or your cocoa, and I'm not the least bit jealous of your circumstance right now. I'm perfectly content to be where I am, and I hope you are as well. We're in a series called Blessed, and we've talked about having open hands toward God and how that cycle comes around. We can only receive when we have open hands, and we can only give to others when we have open hands. And then we talked about open-hearted, and today we're going to be talking about contentment as I have been, and I'm particularly grateful that you've joined us this morning But the Apostle Paul goes on in verse 12 and he says, I know how to be brought low. I don't know how how much lower Paul could have been. And I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Well, how did he do that? What was the secret that Paul knew that maybe we don't know that would change our lives. What's the secret of contentment? And it really is this most misquoted verse in all the Bible. It's not because we don't know it, but it's wrongly applied. Here the Apostle Paul says this in verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now we've heard this We've seen runners wear this on their T-shirts. We've seen boxers talk about how Christ can do this. We've seen high jumpers. We've seen pole vaulters. We've seen all kinds of people misquote this in relationship to, to, to athletics and also in our lives. 
but really it has to do with contentment. And, and it's the reality that contentment comes through the awareness of God's presence. God's presence allows us to be content. His sovereign rule, his always being there, never forsaking us, never leaving us, allows us to be content. But contentment also comes through alertness to God's purposes. You might not think that God has his hand on your life, but he does. You matter to him. Every one of you have a purpose and he has a plan. And that is where we find our contentedness, if you will. But if you notice that verse in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it's placing our confidence in Christ's control. That we're in the sphere of Christ's control when we give our lives to Christ. And finally, from that verse, we also can take confidence in his strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not our strength. It's not our ability. It's not our intelligence. But it is Christ. And then Paul goes on to say this, and this is in a different letter. He writes and he addresses this same subject to Timothy, his son in the Lord. And Timothy's a young man, and, and he's sharing the gospel where he is. But notice what Paul says to him in verse 6 of chapter 6 of Timothy. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And then he goes on and he says, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can't take anything out of the world. Now, most of you have been around a new birth, a baby. They don't bring anything with them. In fact, you better be geared up for that new baby. And also, we've been at funerals. And we know that we will not take anything with us. Paul says something that's pretty fairly obvious. But then he says this, and this kind of blows my mind in verse 8. It says, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Well, there's nobody that showed up naked today to church. You look pretty well fed. I'm not just, I mean, looks like you, you have enough to be content. But you might say, well, Chris, that's not enough. But the Apostle Paul says, that's all we need. And I think the principle here is, obviously we need a place to stay. We need some kind of shelter. I wouldn't want to be outside with a fire today and an umbrella. We need something or a tent. But Paul's principle here is he's saying, be satisfied with life's essentials. Be satisfied with life's essentials. When I was in college years and years ago, it's been a long time, I can remember we had a week where we were talking about thankfulness and finances and, and giving in school. And, and, and this phrase came to mean a lot to me. It says, to live simply so others can simply live. 
And, and through my life, that has meant a lot. So how simply can I live? How simply can we live as a family? And how can we help others simply live? Finding that contented spot in that moment. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I believe probably all of us have had friends that have had some kind of get-rich-quick idea, some pyramid scheme, some way to make more money Everybody has a little side gig or a side job. And, and Paul's saying, be careful of this. Be careful of those get-rich schemes and plans. Be wary of life's temptations. VeggieTales, I don't know if you're familiar with them. I love them, but they have an episode one VeggieTale episode tells the story of Madame Blueberry, a very de- depressed blueberry. Well, I don't know of any other berry that would be depressed other than a blueberry, do you? Makes sense to me. She lived in a treehouse, very nice treehouse. She was not content with anything she owned. Her dishes were chipped, the knives were too dull, and the spoons were too small. Madam Blueberry sings a mournful ditty about her neighbors who all have more wonderful things than she. She sings to her butlers. Now, she's depressed and she's got butlers. Any of you got a butler? I don't know anybody in this congregation has a butler. Maybe you have one online. Her butlers, Larry the Cucumber and Bob the Tomato. I'm so blue, 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 blue. I'm so blue, I don't know what to do. My friends all have nice things. I've seen them myself. In fact, I keep pictures up here on my shelf. Framed pictures of her neighbor's belongings line her shelf. There are pictures of one neighbor's crock pot, one neighbor's flatware, and another neighbor's ceramic jars with all kinds of sauces. Through her two-story treehouse appears to be, though her two-story treehouse appears to be quite attractive and well-furnished, Madame Blueberry is hopelessly dissatisfied. Don't you feel sorry for her? And one day, a new megastore called Stuff Mart moves across the street. The sign glitter like a beacon of hope to Madame Blueberry. She has only just seen the sign when three helpful representative from, representatives from Stuff Mart show up at her door to confirm her suspicions that her stuff is outdated and she needs some help. These dapper sales vegetables tell her about Stuff Mart's remarkable line of stuff, refrigerators to keep her extra mashed potatoes in, a giant air compressor, to blow fruit flies off your dresser, and a solar turkey chopper. And they sing about how wonderful Stuff Mart is. Now here's historic fact. After World War I, in about the 1920s, 
business people were concerned that the general public was going to be too content and too satisfied. And so somehow, in some way, they, they could make us discontent so we would buy more stuff. And so a four, today it's a $450 billion business called Marketing Worldwide. In fact, it's grown to the point where we upgrade our stuff because it may not run as fast even though it's still working. Can you imagine your grandparents doing that? They would say, well, just wait till it wears out. Doesn't work anymore. Or we'll fix it. But we're in a disposable era, aren't we? And so they feed our discontent. And now we have social media that kind of feeds our discontent because we will see an ideal reel or video of something. And our nature, our human nature, is just to want more. And if you think I'm just preaching at you, I'm preaching to me. Because we all have a pretty good wanter, don't we? Poor Madam Blueberry. Paul's warning us here. He says, beware of keeping up with the Joneses and also the Kardashians. Then he goes on in verse 10. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Even it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, he didn't say money was evil, but the love of money, the desire to get more and more and more and more. But at the same time, we need to take money seriously because we are stewards and we need to be careful and we need to invest and we need to give and we need to save and we need to live and we need to plan. But also at the same time, not too seriously, because we know our source and our provider is God and not ourselves. Because everything we have is from God and for God. I think Solomon in Proverbs 23, 4 says it best when he says, don't wear yourself out to get rich. And Paul would also agree. Because wise stewards are happy with what they have not hassled by what they don't have. So the moral of our story, if we are to be content, is to be happy within life's circumstances. To practice that secret that Paul has taught us. Now, I've I got to ask you this question because I think about 99.9% of the people here will answer yes. But how many of you have ever bought a Happy Meal? Raise your hand. Okay. I think we all have. When our children were small and we would ask them where they wanted to go, where would they say? McDonald's. And what did they want? They wanted a Happy Meal. And, and, and a Happy Meal is just not a meal. It, it's, 
maybe a, a hamburger or a cheeseburger or chicken nuggets and fries and a drink. But not only that, you get a toy. And they're not just selling a Happy Meal even with the toy. They're selling happiness, aren't they? Because when you get a Happy Meal, you're happy. But how long does that Happy Meal happiness last? Because eventually you're going to have to buy another Happy Meal. And so our children are taught to rest their happiness in a Happy Meal, according to the marketing of McDonald's. Now, folks, probably we look at a Happy Meal and we probably say, I'm not eating that. I'm not going there. But our Happy Meals have gotten much more expensive, haven't they? In our lives, if we're, if we're truly, truly honest. But when we realize where our happiness comes from, where our joy comes from, it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that includes our contentedness and our gratitude and our gratefulness, not just at this time of year, but year-round. Amen? Would you please stand with me as I close in prayer? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful for this time. We are thankful for this opportunity to gather, especially prior to Thanksgiving. But Father, help us to be grateful and content in our circumstances in our lives, knowing that you are a source and a provider, and that especially that we are loved and we are cared for by you, that you did not spare the expense, but you gave your own son his very life in exchange for ours that we might be in relationship with you, that we might recognize you as our source and our provider, that all things are from you and for you. And Father, we're just servants. We are just managers of what you've given us. Help us to manage well. Help us to be content in all circumstances, that our trust and our faith might be in you. And Father, may that light and that salt pervade those around us, that we could be joyful in your presence and in your strength. Father, we pray just now for those that need to know you as Lord and Savior, for those, Father, that are far from you, to be drawn to you. We pray for those that just need an extra oomph, an extra encouragement through this season. And Father, may you be real, may you be near to them. And Father, may we be your servants and minister to one another, that we might be a help to all. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?